all I'm saying is, you mean to tell me when we screamed Happy New Year at 12 midnight, December 31st, 2019, that this was on the other side? I know you lying. Where, where is the manager? Can I need, I need, I need to speak to your manager because I was told by Apple Care that this would be my year. Not Corona's year. I, I don't even know her. Does anybody know her? She don't even go to this church. She don't live here. She don't live on this street. I'm not finna do this. You are now listening to the chat podcast. I'm your host, Chanel Janae. Y'all, <laughs> we made it. We here in 2020. Like we are, we are legit all here in 2020. What even is this year? Like, I didn't know if we were going to come back for season two, guys, because 2020 just like reached down in its bag of tricks and threw out literally everything. I mean, it runs the list, right? We have hurricanes, a whole global pandemic, all quarantine in the house, um, murder hornets. I... I really thought 2019 was ghetto. And if you guys remember correctly, episode one of the first season was literally mostly about how ghetto and trash 2019 was. But baby, baby, 2020 takes the cake. Like, I'm not really sure. I I don't think when we signed up for this year, for this decade that we, you know, maybe it was hidden in like the terms and agreements. You know, we don't never read that. We just check the box and be like, "Mm mm-hmm, I read it. I think it was like hidden when we said Happy New Year. It was hidden and it had to be hidden in the terms. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody in their right mind would have signed up for this trash of a year. Like, and I mean, to be honest, if if we really think about it, if we work our brains and think the death of Kobe Bryant, that was when the tide turned. You can say what you want to say. You you could argue with your plant. The death of Kobe was the first sign that this year was up to some foolery and buffoonery. I don't. I don't know, y'all. Like I, I really wanted to be here for twenty twenty. Like I, I came in this year probably like all of y'all, with the whole mindset of ooh, new decade, new year, new me. Watch out, finna take over, finna do my thing, finna, you know, get to it, get it popping, get it cracking, or whatever the kids are saying these days. And then 2020 was like, <laughs> girl, you, girl, you thought, you thought, boy, you thought, like, what was this? What, what is this? Like, we're still, we're still locked up in the house. We still can't really hug our elderly relatives we still have to socially distance (sighs) i'm tired just like i'm i feel like i'm in a perpetual state of tiredness like some days i wake up and it's a good day you know and then other days i wake up and i'm like dang this again you again pandemic you again trash economy you again you ain't got nowhere else to go I don't know, y'all. It's been it's been a wild ride. But anyway, y'all didn't come here to hear me vent. 
y'all came to hopefully get a distraction from everything going on and to, you know, relax your minds for about an hour or so. Um, so let's jump right into it. You know how this goes. It's time for Who Said That? And today's Who Said That comes from Shimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who says, The single story creates stereotypes. And the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but that they are incomplete. They make one story and become the only story. The reason why I thought this quote was relevant and worth talking about is because if we look on the news today and if we look online on our Twitter and Instagram feed, Facebook feed, Pinterest, what have you, we see that one story is not enough. And it's not something, that's not a sentiment that, you know, people of color, marginalized groups have not already brought to the forefront before. But in this day and age, I feel like there is power, immense power, in making sure that everybody tells their side of the story. And yes, there are people who, you know, may tell their side of the story and they're filled with alternative facts. They're filled with things that just aren't true. But the thing that I think is important is that when you have people who do put all the sides in the story at the table or who, you know, bring them forth, then that's when you can start a good dialogue. You know what I'm saying? You can hear this person's side, whether or not you agree with it, but you can also sit with what it is that they're saying and try to find some common ground. Now, I'm not saying that there are people out here who, you know, have the common sense and the integrity and the basic human decency to empathize um, and who tell stories that are just, you know, that you can rightly agree with because there are people out there who are just hell-bent on spitting vitriol and lies and things like that. So I'm not talking about those type of people. I'm talking about the people who... I don't know, have lived through, I guess, some sort of like dissonance where they don't really exactly know how to put two and two together or how two and two correlate or, you know, that two and two is not the only way to get to four. You know what I'm saying? I hope I'm breaking this down the way I want to in the way that you guys can understand me. The other thing I really like about this quote is that Chimamanda touches on stereotypes and Lord knows I'm a black woman. My mother's a black woman. My sister and nieces are black, little black girls and black women. I, black women have been subjected to so many stereotypes. And honestly, I really, really wish, and I can't wait for the time that those stereotypes are a thing of the past. Call it wishful thinking, call it optimism call it what you want but I really can't wait till we get to that point because having someone constantly look at you through the lens of stereotypes racism sexism bigotry insert every other offensive ism here it gets old you know what I'm saying and it's not that it's not that black women haven't defied these stereotypes over and over again because we have. It's not that, not that, you know, it's even our job. But you just wish and you really hate to see 
the fact that people are still looking at you in one way. And especially you get especially tired of it when you don't really realize what the resolve is and when you can't properly articulate what the quick solution is, because there's no quick solution for, you know, stereotypical thinking, thinking for discriminatory thinking, for racialized thinking. There's no quick fix to that. Now, I will say I'm, I am of the mindset that, you know what, we just got to burn all this down, start over. I, that, hey, t- hey, you know, we got we to gotta start all over again. We got to start from scratch. It's like when you bake a cake and you accidentally, like, leave that whole eggshell in there and you think that it's going to, like, bake away. It's not going to bake away. The eggshells are ingrained in that cake. With every bite you take, you taste that eggshell. That's exactly what racism is. That's exactly what xenophobia is that's exactly what all these other isms are they are baked and ingrained into the cake aka the united states but this is not a political podcast this is an entertainment podcast so guess what i'm gonna get off my soapbox but chimamanda ngozi adichie that quote was amazing and i really hope it stops to make you think I really do, because Lord knows we all need to keep thinking, think, think, keeping, think, keeping. Wow, guys, it's <laughs> blame the quarantine brain. Keep thinking and think progressively, you know, think in a way that promotes evolution, growth and expansion, because if we're all stuck in our little myopic views of thinking, we're not going to go nowhere, y'all. We're going to be stuck going around this same mountain of stupidity and lack of common sense and lack of human decency we don't we don't want to do that i i for one don't want to do it i'm I'm trying to go to go on the greener pastures you know what i'm saying this mountain is horrible this mountain is ugly i want to be here no i hate it here i hate it here i don't want to be here but anyway i digress chimamanda you said that's this now, moving on to what is arguably my favorite segment. It's who got snubbed. Y'all, I feel like at this point, really, we all got snubbed for 2020. Like, why? I'm not going to even go there. Chanel, don't even go there. So for today's who got snubbed, we're going to talk about Lynn Whitfield's final monologue on the season series finale of Greenleaf. Let me tell y'all something. Lynn Whitfield, number one, is a goat. Uh, Number two is so full of class and poise and grace. Like, if you've ever seen her in a film or in a, on an episode of TV, it's just the way she delivers her lines and the way she looks at you and the way she cocks her head. Like, those little head movements and the little, you know sharp little side eyes Lynn is on a whole nother level and I'm ready for her to get all her flowers because if any of you watch the series finale of Greenleaf you know it's the show is over now so (laughs) spoiler alert if you haven't seen it um the bishop dies and Lady May is then asked to deliver the sermon after they've gotten uh, Calvary back from Bob Whit- Whitmore, Whitfield, whatever, Whit- Whitmore, I believe it is. Um, 
And she's been asked to deliver the sermon after the passing of her husband, the um, regaining of their church. And not only did Lynn, aka Lady May, deliver the sermon, but honey, she delivered that sermon so well. I wanted to rededicate my life. Like I was trying to run down to the altar sitting on my couch. Like I, I wanted the hands laid. I wanted the anointing oil. I wanted the shawl draped on my back. Like Lynn Whitfield delivered that sermon so well. I, I, I wanted to be near the cross. It's a daily, a daily prayer, but I'm saying I wanted to be near the cross. And what I have not seen is any Emmy nominations for Lynn's performance. That's the daytime Emmy. I haven't seen anything. Nighttime Emmy. Y'all, I don't know. Whatever Emmy, whatever award that Lynn qualifies for, she needs to be getting all of them for her portrayal of Lady May on Greenleaf. Like, who is in charge? Who is in charge? Somebody put me through the person that's in charge of this because... They are tripping. They are like big tripping. She is so brilliant and has been brilliant for five seasons. So brilliant on this show. And I'm I'm sad that it's come to a close. Although there are talks of like a sequel, but we don't know exactly what or who. But I am happy to have witnessed the artistic expression of Lynn Whitfield these past five years. She really did that. Like, ugh, I, don't, I, I don't know, y'all. Lynn got snubbed. I'm mad about it. Y'all, I'm about to tweet Greenleaf and Oprah and on and the daytime Emmys and tell them to give Lynn her flowers because there will never be another Lady May. Your name might be Lady. Your name might be May. Your name might even be Lady May. But guess what? There's only one. It's, it's only one Lady May Greenleaf. Hmm. And what you gonna do about it? What you gonna say about it? Nothing. So, Lynn, if you're listening, I love you. You did that as Lady May. I'm sorry that, for whatever reason, the um, Television Academy, whoever it is, has not properly given you the respect and properties you deserve. But guess what? Here on this show, you're gonna get it. And you're always gonna get it because you are that good. So, sorry, Lynn, you definitely got snubbed. Alrighty, guys, it's time for the reason why we're here, arguably my favorite segment. And uh, the reason why we're here today is because we have a very special guest, Black cultural storyteller and founder creator of Hashtag Black Creatives, an online digital community dedicated to helping Creatives access the necessary resources to build the future they want for themselves and for the next generation. Melissa Kimball. Hey, hey. How you doing? Hi. I'm, I'm, I'm doing. What? I am doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm well. I can't complain. We are alive in a time of COVID, so I, I can't complain. How are you? You know, it's, it's actually been a good day, contrary to what you know, previous days this week have been giving me. Today is actually a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling Same. right in good spirits and high spirits. Um, just trying to make it do what it do as we always do. Yeah, absolutely. 
I felt it super necessary to bring you on because literally your quote is the foundation on which this season is built upon. And for those of you who, yes, for those of you who are not aware, (laughs) oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. For those of you who are not aware, if you have not seen the billboard, if you have not seen the multiple billboards, because it's not just one, you have several billboards across the country um, from, you know, from Twitter. Twitter okay. has selected a few um, impactful people on the platform to put their tweets across on billboards to amplify messages that really need to be amplified. And one of them, like I said, is the whole basis of which this season is founded upon. It's the quote you said, and I don't know if you remember this, but you actually said this quote when we did our So You Think You Want a Freelance series back in April. You literally said this world does not move without black creativity. You said that back in April when we did our series. Wow. Mm-hmm. That hits on so many different levels for mm-hmm. a few different reasons. Mm-hmm. Feel free to, to explain. Yeah. Um, well, one, because that experience was really, really dope for me because I'm not, one, I'm not a person where I like to be on camera or in front of, like, like just basically, like, on the scene, right? Like, that's not my personality so sometimes I like shy away from from things like that Mm -hmm. um but I decided to do it because of you and all the other black women that were a part of that like like that community um that we still have like even you know in our in our dms Mm -hmm. but to just have this community of writers you know, who understand, like, the ins and outs and and the ups and downs of the whole, like, just industry and experience to have, like, that kind of support has meant a lot because up until this year, I feel like a lot of how I was working was, like, in a silo, right? Like, even though I'm somebody who's building a community, I have some, in some kind of way, isolated myself mm-hmm. um, for a while and didn't really realize that. Um, and so being able to, to be connected to this, like, community of writers was very supportive and very, like, real and just open a really safe space. Um, that made me feel comfortable to do that. And so I always feel like our best, most of our best ideas come to us when we feel safe and when we feel nurtured and when we feel protected. And I, we always have this narrative of like, we have to struggle and we do our best work from pain. And it's like, <laughs> No, we got a whole history. You know what I'm saying? Of right. that. I think it's just time to change that. So, like, I've been learning that a lot lately, and that's a prime example of what happens, right? When you when you are cared for internally and externally, what can come out. And I remember, I'm so glad you said that, too, because I also remember going back to look at the content from that, 
and seeing that quote and I'm like damn that's a good quote so at first it was like let me let me tweet it so I tweeted it from the black creators account first mm-hmm. and then it became a quote post when I was doing something else and then I started using it here so then when the experience came when the opportunity came from Twitter for it to become a, a billboard um which I didn't know I was gonna have two. I thought I was. I thought that it was just gonna be one billboard with the other quote. I didn't even know that this one was coming until it was out there. Um, and so to see like that, to see where the seed is was planted originally, and then how it's grown over time in like ways that uh, I never expected it to happen. Um, it's just really just proof of why I built something like hashtag black creatives, right? Was to foster this sense of community among, you know, us, you know, this, this next generation of, of creatives and the, you know, and, and charting our own paths and really building sustainable, like careers out of this, like we need that love and that support in that community from each other mm-hmm. um, because we're not getting that anywhere else. For sure. For sure. I Listen, when I saw the billboard, I, I mean, like I screamed internally <laughs> and then like you to know, you know, originally where it came from and to just, you know, for me personally, I thank God that the billboard, you know, that the quote made the billboard because it was like, you know, if he hadn't dropped the seed to even do it in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, it it all mm-hmm. trickles back to just, in, in my opinion, the creative genius of our creator, right? Absolutely. Because he saw that day, he saw the two billboards yep. going up. He saw that those words coming out of your mouth. And that, mm-hmm. to me, is just like the ultimate nod just nod from the creator (laughs) absolutely and no i i feel it too because because it's something that's so big and so massive there's no way i could have done that on my own and there's no way that i could even take credit for it or pretend like i did something profound and i did one two three to do nah nah that like that definitely was all god (laughs) also 10 years in the making like when I was when I was thinking about like how long I've been at this I really had to remember that I had been doing this for a very long time like talking about black creatives even before it was cool to to call yourself a creative especially when it um you know relates to black people um and so I also, it just, it puts, the billboard just puts so many th- different things in perspective at one time. And the fact that they're, that they're still up mm-hmm. right now as we are talking is just the wildest shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it. It's it's literally, it's literally a God dream. It's God moves. It's, it's like I said, it's a nod from the creator and it's a nod to, like you said, how long you've been at it. And I feel like when you're at something for the sole purpose of like trying to be a resource or trying to help or trying to just, you know, amplify as many other people as possible and not just yourself, you set yourself up to reap rewards, you know, in leaps and bounds. Mm. 
Mm. And I've definitely, you know, I think back when we did the series in April, I know I, I probably alluded to how much hashtag Black Creatives has impacted me as a fairly new freelance writer in the game. I think this October mm-hmm. will make it like three years officially. Um, oh, wow. It feels much longer. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been writing ever since I was a little girl, but I didn't actually, you know, decide to take myself seriously until about three years ago. So mm-hmm. even to, wow. yeah, Black Creative, hashtag Black Creatives was like that number one resource for me and I was like all right well oh that means a lot Thank yeah you. <laughs> girl I was I'm still always up in the hashtag looking for jobs looking <laughs> so I'm always up in there mm-hmm. um so I love that. it's amazing it's it's really really amazing and I know you know that's to me Twitter taking like I said a handful of impactful tweets from impactful people and amplifying the messages I think that's a really innovative way in a really unorthodox way uh for them as a company to you know express not only support for you know the people that are consistently using the platform to uplift but Mm -hmm. just to express themselves creatively especially now with the quarantine we're all stuck sometimes it could feel like our ideas may be stale or stagnant so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm curious for you have you found any like new ways to express your creativity? Have you, you know, been dibbling and dabbling in some different areas? Um, that's a really good question. I've gone back to like what really used to inspire me as a kid was like watching movies and watching shows and like doing a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. So I've actually been going back to a lot of that. Like, I mean, obviously, like you know, you don't want to be looking at screens all day long, but um, I started to go back to, like, the things that just really piqued my interest or make me curious and, like, allow myself to, like, rewatch these things over and over again to see new things. So I've been, like, really heavy into, like, documentaries, like the Defiant Ones, um, and my friends are going to roll their eyes when they hear this, (laughs) but I watch I watch it all the time, but I watch it because I one, I like to see like how the director, Alan Hughes, his editing style and how he puts together a story and then I feel like every time I watch it, I, I learn something new. And I think that there's really I don't know what it is, but I definitely believe starting to see that there's power in repetition. Mm-hmm. Um and constantly looking for the new things in the old the old spaces or systems or however you want to call it. So I've been doing a lot of that and I've been like really really more intentional about like handwriting now as opposed to like typing everything up on the computer, especially if I'm like working on a story or working on a post or just need to get my thoughts out. Like I've been really intentional lately about uh, journaling and getting back into that. Um, And at some point, I think before the year is out too, though, I do want to pick up the piano. Mm -hmm. I I used to play the violin in middle school and high school. So I still know how to read music a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's one of my things that I want to pick up before the year is out is the piano. It's so funny. I my keyboard, and I think I probably alluded to this in an earlier episode, but I literally dug probably right before the pandemic hit. 
I went back in storage and dug out my keyboard <laughs> and brought it back into my room. Because I was like, nah, I gotta, you know, I was feeling a bit, you know, when you move into a new space, you kind of start feeling like a little bit homesick or just like needing some uh-huh. sense of familiarity. I was like, yeah. I need, my keyboard was always in my room back in Arkansas. So I was like, I need my keyboard back in my room. It helps remind me uh-huh. about that creative side of myself. And, you know, I'll stay up to like midnight just playing around with stuff. Like you, I had a small stint in playing the violin back in middle school. That didn't last uh-huh. long. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't last too long at all. But the keyboard is definitely where, where it's at for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been really helpful just with coping with everything that's been going on. Um, yeah. I know you've probably seen the tweets on Twitter. Sometimes I, I'll post some of the drawings that I've done. I've Like you tap back into what I used to do as a young child. Mm-hmm. I was always drawing and coloring and just doing real artistic stuff on that front. Um, just to kind of cope with everything and to try to take my mind off of just a lot of the things that are going on right now. Have you found some different coping mechanisms besides journaling? Ooh, um, I'm trying to slowly get back into like working out, but going for walks, even if I'm not working out and I'm just moving my body some kind of way, like mm-hmm. that's been helpful. Um, because one thing I learned from my therapist was that a lot of our, like our, our healing and just how much our, our, how much our healing occurs through our bodies, mm-hmm. but also just how our bodies just absorb a lot of the processing that we're trying to do, right? So, like, we're just trying to process a lot of shit right now at one time, externally and internally. And so I've started to feel, like, where, like, stress and anxiety come up in my my body. So I try to be very intentional about like walking or moving or even stretching a lot of deep breathing um going for walks i live right by the lake in chicago so i I try to go out there um as long as the weather is good because chicago it'll snow in a second (laughs) um but that that helps um and also like reminding myself to laugh like my a friend of mine the other day was like when I was having just a really hard time this week this week has just been insane um and she told me to go like go put on something that makes you laugh and so I put on like a mic up special and was cracking up like just remembering <laughs> to just like like laugh like mm-hmm. joy like to just take a break um mm-hmm. has been helpful uh, reading has been helpful I think for a while I had stopped reading just for pleasure so I've gotten back into that thanks to like some old Danielle Steele novels that my um friend Lisa <laughs> gave me and like Sister Soldier books. I got a bunch of like a stack of Toni Morrison books. I really yes. like diving in <laughs> diving into those like helps a great a great deal. Cause my mind I've learned too that my mind is always moving. So the more that I can like focus in, the better. Like I'll be too. And then also like meditation. I haven't been on it as much um, this past month, but over the summer, I think I've meditated more than I ever have before. Um, And that's like one of those small things that you think like, oh, you know, it's just 10 minutes a day, but like over time it adds up and you can really start to see a difference in 
you know, how your thoughts move around or how you can, like, get better control over your emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, So those things have been helpful. I love two things. I love the fact that you brought up um, just finding those times to just be joyful and just laugh and find the humor in life because it's it's always there I feel like there's always an opportunity to laugh or there's some little spark of joy you just have to you know be open enough to look for it and accept it mm-hmm. and I think it's really interesting the timing that you say that I was recently um scrolling on was it Twitter or Instagram and I saw um actor Yahya Abdul-Mateen the second Uh He wrote in uh, a personal essay for, I think it's Men's Health Magazine, where he talked about Black joy and just, you know, being joyful in spite of, right? Uh And I thought that was so, I mean, for me, I feel like I, as far as, you know, the different ways there are to resist and the different forms of resistance that are out there, my mm-hmm. number one has always been black joy. I feel like black joy mm. is the best form of resistance out here. Mm-hmm. I think it's just mm-hmm. how I'm made and yeah. um, just my upbringing. I was, I was raised to be very um, positive and to always look at the glass half full and to know that, you know, a lot of things are temporary. So don't, you know, succumb to those all of the time. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's really powerful that you, you know, your friend, you allowed your friend to remind you of that joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like I, like I said before, like, as black people in this country, we just already have such a sad-ass, tragic-ass <laughs> history. Like, it's funny, but it's like, it's, it's funny because it's true. Right. But it's also funny because it's like, that's sad. So exactly, gotta, exactly. like, laugh to keep from crying type thing going on there. Yes. But, you know, we we already know pain and struggle and strife so well. I'm, like, ready to be on the other other side of it, you Mm -hmm. know? Because just as as much, and this is something that I had to really glean from my own experience from this year. Because I've had a really, as big as shit has been this year for me, I've also had some of the darkest times of my life this year. And seeing that, seeing both of these, both of those experiences occur at the same time really did remind me that, like, yes, there is a lot of pain and a lot of struggles, a lot of shit that's not right. We don't know what the fuck is going on in the White House. We don't know what the elections are going to look like. All, like, pandemic is crazy. Kids are getting shot. Like, yes. All of these things are happening, but at the same time, there's just so much to be grateful for and so much to be thankful for and so much to enjoy in life. And like, you just can't, you just can't let the world take that away from you because they would rather us be downtrodden all the time than celebrating and enjoying, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, who we are and what we're about and what we do have in our lives. So I'm I'm all for it too. Like I know there has to be, you know, joy and pain. Definitely. Um, Shout out Frankie Beverly. Hello, always, always. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> I, I was like, I know, I know. If I don't say it, she gonna say it. But yeah, <sighs> that's how you know you're in the right space. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I I know both things have to coexist. But I just. I would rather focus on the joy, you know? 
Definitely. And I think it says a lot to how we've just been conditioned and been just like beaten over the head, like you said, about all of this pain and struggle and strife. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, to be quite honest, I find myself feeling low-key guilty yeah, for, you know, not really, quote unquote, indulging into, you know, the pain and the just the turmoil and, you know, the hot topics and the, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I feel guilty because I feel like it's a protective, it's a protective thing at the end of the day. I can't keep, and I think we as black creatives cannot keep ingesting all of this strife and Mm -hmm. ugliness and death Mm -hmm. and still expect ourselves to, give output that's you know exactly relatively opposite of of that like you you can't expect to keep mm-hmm. eating trash eating trash eating trash and then you're gonna throw up daisies and flowers that's not how it works yeah that's true that's very true yeah that's very true that makes me think of and i think i brought this up one time before so there were i'm like it's a it's a long story but i'm making a short one <laughs> so there was there was a couple of instances here in Chicago where um, there was like shootings happen at funerals, mm-hmm. and they used this certain term to describe the incidents because they were happening in a couple of different places, like in very close proximity, time wise. And they they named it a very specific phrase. I can't remember the name of the phrase. It's probably for the best because it was probably some bullshit anyway. <laughs> um, but someone had put it in one of the story in one of my group chats, and I was like, I saw the frame, and I started low-key, like, freaking out, like, what? You mean, like, people dying at funerals? Like, what is, like, what is it coming to? Blah, blah, blah. And one of my friends in the group chat was like, yo, this is not, this is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a thing that's happening with Black people in Chicago. Gave me a whole history of, like, Italians and other different ethnic groups of them doing the same thing decades ago. Mm. And it made me think of that quote by Malcolm X about the media being the most powerful entity in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, gleaning from that basically how that the media can portray us in whatever way they want to, when that's probably what the world will think. Mm Mm-hmm. But it made me kind of connect the dots. Like, it also made me remember, and I think it's easy to kind of fall into, because we're in a time of information right now, right? Especially, like, you know, we're both really active on Twitter. Twitter is one of those platforms that's big on news and information. Definitely. So you start to read so much of this. So it starts to naturally become a daily part of your timeline, and you see all this news and so we're 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 almost now kind of conditioned too to always be paying attention to what the news is saying which you know to a certain extent it's good to do but like you said if you're consuming too much of it you can't expect anything good to come back out of it because all the news will show you is the stuff that is going wrong or mm-hmm. the stuff that they want to like basically using it as a tool to gaslight communities you know um especially as a creative especially someone who relies on their output you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. to make a living 
um, that mental piece has to come, like your wellness and your mental, that mental piece has to come first. For sure, for sure. I I want to say, I'm not going to even, I'm not going to even try to rack my brain. You know, it's the quarantine, guys. I was going to say, I was going to try to recall that entire Malcolm X quote, but listen. Yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> We're not going to do it. It's the quarantine. Y'all know how it goes. Yeah. Um, so I'm very curious. I think we've talked a little bit about it. Well, I think maybe we've touched on it um, here and there at different points. But I'm curious to know from you why you think Black creatives should still be creating during this time and how they can use that creativity or their different expressions to kind of propel themselves for it and the culture for it. Mm-hmm. Well, one, I think in in terms of why you should keep creating is because life is not stopping just because mm-hmm. the world, you know, as we know it has changed. Mm-hmm. Like, we are still growing. We're still getting older. Our family members are getting older. People are starting new jobs, there are new businesses being started, people are having babies, people are getting married, people are having divorces, people are living on their own for the first time, people are still going to school, like, people are still, life is still happening, and life is the ultimate inspiration for creativity. So, there is no way that you can't create, as long as you are still living and breathing, like, that's the creativity is always all around you even if we are stuck in the house like and i'm pretty sure we can probably all attest to this but even if we have been stuck in the house more there have been things that we've learned about ourselves or about the world around us that we didn't know before and it would not have happened if we weren't sitting in the house so like there's still life is still happening all around us so why not keep creating Mm -hmm. um first and foremost and then i think too like again the quote about the world does not move without black creativity like that's truth (laughs) that is truth because if we if we stop creating literally the world stops moving if you took away black creativity from all industries all aspects of life what what would we see every day because every time you come in contact with some piece of creativity especially the the creativity that's widely spread black culture has something to do with that it's connected to black culture in some way and i'm not saying like when i say like so you could take that quote two ways, like obviously the world, right? But like when I when I tell black creatives to keep creating because so the world doesn't stop, I'm specifically thinking about our world, right? Like the world we live in. I'm not. I'm. It's not like a all lives matter type thing. I'm literally thinking about our world as black people, and like we need us. Mm-hmm. Um. Because our our black creati- our creativity also saves us too in a lot of ways, right? So even if we are stuck in the house, like we still are fortunate enough to be able to listen to music and be able to listen to 
you know, Missy or Donny Hathaway or Stevie Wonder or, you know, Jay-Z or whoever and go to these different worlds and go to these different memories and experiences. Like these things keep us alive. Our music keeps us alive. Our art keeps us alive. Our stories keep us alive. Like our creativity keeps us going, right? And I think sometimes because it's so widely consumed by the world that we often forget that our creativity is for us first. Woo. Please. Somebody put that, put somebody, (laughs) somebody put that on a shirt, on a Twitter, put that on a bill, put that one on a billboard. Another one. Another one. Like that's why we have to keep creating. It's for us first. Like it's for us first. And then, is for the world so that's the first part and then i feel like to to answer your question about could you say the second part again yeah just how we can use you know our black creative expression to continue to propel ourselves and or the culture forward yeah i mean it's a it's a new game that we playing right now um you know we had that big spark of Black Lives Suddenly Mattering to everybody in June. And then by the time August came around, everybody was quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there is a way to continue to hold companies and brands and whatnot. Even when I say companies and brands, people think like, oh, Nike and Apple. No, I'm, I'm also talking about like the company you work at or the small company you freelance for or, you know, Period. whatever small business you collaborate with, whatever, you know, tech platform platform reaches out to you. I'm talking about them, too, like small and large. It's time to hold them accountable. And I think we can do that in a way that's like not beating anybody over the head, but to just continue to pitch ourselves for opportunities. I feel like now is a great time. But if you have an idea for someone or something and to like collab with them i think now is a prime time to do it i think that um a lot more people may be susceptible to listening to us not just because of black lives matter because clearly that came and went but just because they're sitting in the house right and they're looking again they need our creativity more than we need it Mm -hmm. um and that's not just talking about like our non-black counterparts, but all of us, every the world needs it literally. So I think now is the time to like execute on those things that you've always said that you wanted to do. There are people making bank during this pandemic. And there are also people who were making bank before the pandemic and that can now find different ways to innovate and expand. Mm-hmm. Figure out if you see someone like that in your network, like reach out. I think it's uh, it's more of a level playing field now than ever before. I think that the pandemic definitely has done a job of like just soften, softening up people's hearts. And that's not to say like to necessarily take advantage of people, but I think people will be more open and willing to embrace new things and new ideas and new ways of being. And if you want to get in front of that, you have to start reaching out to people. You have to start emailing people, connecting with people, 
Um, I think now is a great time that if she's had an idea that she's been sitting on for a minute, launch it. Period. Launch it and then just tweak it, you know, as you go. But we're obviously living in a time where, like, the whole idea of perfection and um, curating to perfection, I think that's done. Like, we have to use what we have in our hand. So I think now is a really great time to go back and just re- also revisit things. But she may have let, like, slip out, you know, slip away because of, life's just general demands and Mm -hmm. like now that we have space you know really I think it's a really great time too for the creative to decide like what it is that you actually and really want to do because you feel called to do it not because you feel like oh I see so-and-so doing a a branding guide for their audience I'm gonna do the same thing you know like no (laughs) no because you you never know how much of what you're creating is influenced by validation until you don't have the validation anymore. And we're just living in a time right now where like a lot of that stuff is being pulled down, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the veils are being torn. Use that authenticity that's starting to bubble up. Use it to your advantage and be everything that you want to be for yourself. And I think from there, um, Sierra Chaz said on Twitter, and I don't want to fuck up her quote, but it was something to the effect of like, basically, when you study, the only way to get better is by studying yourself or something like that. I'm going to find it and send it to you. Mm. But um, it's true. It's true because um, you you are just a vessel that you have to work out of. So why not figure out what works best for you and double down on that? Because I I think when you do that, when you find out like how you really work and how you really move and what gets you going, what slows you down, what opens up your creativity, what shuts it down, like when, when do you work better, you know, how much, how long do you need to stay on the computer a day? Or what do you need to refuel? Like, I think once you start to really get into that rhythm, you'll start to be able to be a, to make better decisions about the opportunities that you either create for yourself or that you, that you say yes to. But you got to really give yourself that space. And I think now is like a good time, if you haven't already, to really just give yourself space, the space mm-hmm. to be like, all right, what am I really doing? <laughs> what am I really doing? What, what am I really doing? Is it really working? Am I really happy? Is this, you know, getting me closer to a quality of life that I want? Or is it just keeping me stuck in the past? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, who am I really messing with? Right. Who, who am I considering a partner? Who is somebody that I need to start working with? Who's somebody I need to stop working with? Like, what are some habits in me that I need to check? Like right for sure for sure <laughs> you know you know just using this space and i think that is going to be key because you don't want to i don't i don't think anybody is going to come out of this the same no not at all but i think you want to come out of this better than what you were before and not worse mm-hmm. so and i think that's i think that's probably the best cheat code because if you don't feel good about yourself 
and about you just in general, nothing that you do is going is gonna to look right. Nothing that you do really, I won't say that nothing that you do is going to not look right, but I will say that everything that you do won't be to your highest capabilities. Mm. That was a level of conviction that I needed. If nobody else on this on this listening to this podcast needed that, I needed that for a, a little reminder. Um, so Melissa, I want to know for some of the black creatives out here who maybe feel like you know what at the beginning at the beginning of 2020, I thought it was going to be my year. Miss Rona came and like knocked that all out. Um, mm-hmm. Now I'm unmotivated. Uh, unimpressed and just really not here for much of anything and for some of the black creatives who maybe feel like you know what forget miss rona i got my momentum going i got my you know ideas popping and everything uh what advice would you give to um either set of black creatives on how they can just keep keep moving and keep shaking during this time yeah um I think going back to the whole, um, we we had this kind of ideology at Black Creative centered around making your own rules, and um, that's something we like to say because I've just I've grown to be a big believer in like you setting your own pace. Mm-hmm. So I would say to like both sets of creatives to set your own pace like determine again how you want to move when you want to move what moves you and let that be your pace and don't let anyone or anything move you from that pace Mm -hmm. and I think that's the best way to stay the course because the long the long game takes consistency Consistency takes repetition, but you can't find that repetition that you need until you slow down long enough to really figure out what works for you as a creative and really stand in that and own that. Um, because you got you to gotta be good with what you do at the end of the day when you're by yourself. Thanks. Um, so I think it's just important to like, you know, remind yourself to set your to set your own pace and constantly think about your priorities. And mm-hmm. if they need to shift, then they shift. We just living in a, a timeline right now, like literally where stuff is just moving and and stuff the the days the way days feel and weeks feel it changes you know, day to day, like moves change, our moves are changing day to day. So much of life and the way it feels is changing day to day. I really feel like you just have to allow yourself some flexibility, right? So you may start, start or stop something one month and the next month you have a completely new routine for it. That's okay. Right. That's okay. Again, as long as you are happy with what you are doing, as long as, you know, you're able to build a life that, you know, works for you and feels successful to you, like, that's all that matters. For sure. I think this was a sentiment 
mm, brought up maybe a couple a couple episodes ago. We all gotta find our flow. Yep. Ooh, ooh. We That's good. We all gotta find our flow. I think even before the pandemic, that was what we should have been doing. But especially now, in the pandemic and after the pandemic, we have to be very intentional about finding our flow and just getting it, getting it together. Really, mm-hmm. the best way the best way we know how and the best way possible, given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa Kimball, tell us what we can expect from Hashtag Black Creatives, what we can be on the lookout for you before you go. Plug your project. Yeah, it's a bunch of shit. <laughs> there's so much, <laughs> there's so much stuff. Like, there's so many moving parts. We're, we're definitely moving into a season where we're just really about to expand but also focus in at the same time like i i want to we're 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 going to a place where all right these are the things we do really well and we're gonna double down on just those things and cut off all the excess fat Mm -hmm. um so one way we're doing that is we're definitely like relaunching our our shop like our black creative shop um, I have a really, really, really dope woman by the name of Christina Hammond that's going to be leading like our marketing and stuff like that um, for the shop. So I'm really excited about that because I, I really we have all these phrases and, and things that we put out into the into the world um, by way of Twitter. And that, so there's just so much content and things like that that's just sitting there. Um, that we want to pull out and really take ownership of and package that into um, products for our audience. So that's like, of course, like shirts and stuff like that, like the shirts and hats, things like that, but also like putting a different, like putting our Black creative twist on it, which is having um, merch, but collaborating with different artists. So we have like collaborations coming with my friend Rita Hawk um, around specifically around a billboard that's going to be really dope. Um, and that's going to be like a wearable product. Mm-hmm. And then we have journals coming. I don't want to say who is with just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can, so I won't say it. Respect, um, but, respect. <laughs> but that's one really dope. But that's going to be the journals that are coming to are going to be by a really, really dope creative who she has her own like line of paper products. She's a really dope, efficient designer. And I'm really, really excited. I've always wanted us to have journals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always was like, I want to wait until we can do it in a way that's like, we can fully own the process and working with specific particular creative. Um, we get to do that. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, um, both of the billboards, um, the pictures of the billboards, we got really dope pictures. Um, one by my friend, uh, Chancey Smith, who's a really, really dope videographer, photographer, director here in Chicago. Both of those are now like available, um, as prints through a company that a friend of mine put me on to. Um, so the shop is a big thing. Um, our website hopefully soon like within the next couple of months but at least before the year is out will definitely change um we're gonna launch a directory for creatives something really simple where you kind of go in fill out all your info and it's there um we still have a job board now to pay a job board for companies that want to come in and like list um 
like there are opportunities as well. And I also want to launch an affiliate program around that. It's been um, really easy money for us to make that, you know, we can put like back into the business. Um, so I kind of want to extend that opportunity to other creators who just need like quick, easy affiliate money. Um, so we definitely, we're definitely like doing that. And then um, August is our birthday month. So it's like a celebration of black creativity. So we're having a Twitter chat summit coming at the end of this month. Um, that's going to be really dope. And then we have, uh, one more surprise that I definitely um, can't speak on just yet, but um, it's something that's going to be really dope with someone that like we really, really, really love as a culture. Um, and I'm hoping we can do that in August. It's all depending on that person's schedule, um, but that's coming. But yeah, just I think you'll start to see like the rest of the year, Black creatives really getting into its own groove and like I think we've always had our own lane I think we're just now starting to like realize that as a brand and so you'll start to see us really double down on you know what we say we are about which we've already seen that like resources strategy support um really doubling down on finding ways to really serve our audience and be a support system for our audience and so we'll have more original content um, on our website, in our newsletter, on our social media channels for sure. Um, and we want to use that to like um, ultimately build something bigger that's around like black creators, but also black, the black family. Um, and so that's the black creative side. And then for me, like that wasn't already enough. <laughs> but for me, um, I'm definitely going to be like doing more writing more um, on my own personal platform. Um, I've definitely written for a bunch of different publications, but I miss um, kind of like that, that free form blogging type situation. So I want to go back to, you know, writing more, writing more and doing like more personal blogging. And then also um, short stories, um, my own, novels like working on those right now as well so those things but those things are in the works I am here for all of it, every last one, every single thing, A through Z on both fronts. How about that? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your support like definitely means everything. Oh man, don't don't make me emotional. I don't want to cry <laughs> at the club right now. Melissa, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Melissa Campbell, everybody. Well, that's that on that for episode one. If you want to keep up with Melissa or hashtag Black Creatives, make sure you follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa underscore Kimball and at BLK Creatives. And if you want to keep up with this podcast, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram too, at The Chat Podcast. That's at The Chat, P-B-C-A-S-T. Episode two will be dropping soon. Ciao with you later. <laughs>